0: You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN is proud to bring you the best coverage of University of North Dakota athletics, including live UND volleyball against Oral Roberts this Friday, plus football against Northern Colorado and hockey at Denver on Saturday. It's all on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports. And this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. Taping this on a Friday this week instead of a Monday, it's Friday, November the 8th. We're in Bill Shaves' office. I'm Alex He's, of course, Bill Shaves, athletics director of the University of North Dakota. Bill, the reason for the change this week you're a busy man. You're going to be on the road at the start of next week.
1: Yeah, going to be on the road uh, with men's basketball and then going to be back in Grand Forks just for a little bit. And then I'm uh, heading out with uh, hockey to Denver. And so. Uh, yeah, so next week is going to be a busy, busy week. We, we've been lucky. We've been able to do most of the pods uh, each and every week on Monday. Mondays make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So, many, so many games go on during the weekend. So um, I know one sport did conclude, and I think we can talk about that. That'll be a little bit evergreen for the pod uh, for next week, but we can talk women's soccer.
0: Yes, we can. Yes, yeah. so again, yesterday in Brookings, again, yesterday being Thursday, the University of North Dakota making their first D1 postseason appearance took on the top seed Denver on a cold, <laughs> sloppy day at Fishback Soccer Park. And you know, this was a Denver team that had beaten North Dakota seven nothing early in the season. And we, We've talked at length on the pod about this in the last couple of weeks, how that game was a bit of an aberration. It was a tight game early. And then we just tried, we experimented with some things and the score got out of hand. This game was a complete, I mean, just the opposite of that, a tight match that really could have gone either way. UND with some good chances in the first half to go up. It was scoreless going into the break. And then Denver gets an early goal in the seconds, and that just changed the game. And ended up being too much for UND to overcome. In yeah, the
1: even when that first goal went in, it still played played them pretty well to almost try to just tie it up. Obviously, yeah. once they got the second goal, it was going to be tough. But this is a Denver team that beat Texas three nothing. And so, you know, obviously they've had some uh, tremendous success in their history, and uh, uh, but I thought our team uh, acquitted themselves well. And you know, what 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 little I can tell you about soccer is. When you're up against a, an opponent like that, if you can find a way to get to the back of the net somehow, some way, we had some chances. And yeah. that's not, you know, it's funny that not every program in the summit was able to get those types of chances against Denver. So I was uh, I was excited about what our team was able to do and uh, lots of experience uh, that was had yesterday for a team that's got a lot, a lot of student athletes coming back.
0: Yeah, I thought Chris Logan said it best after the match when you talk about, again, UND pressing and having an opportunity to score and and take a lead, you know, he said not a lot of teams get the respect that Denver gave us in this game. You know, Denver sat back a little bit and kind of absorbed some of the pressure and and didn't really want to come out at times against UND because we were doing such a good job of being aggressive. And he said that was really a mark of how far our team has come from where we were, you know, when I arrived three years ago, you know, and this was a team that had struggled and struggled to, to have confidence and to have possession and to, you know just just pick up points in the league. And now you know, you're a top four team. They had tied for third in the standings and they're taking on uh, you know a team that has a chance to not only go to the NCAA tournament, but maybe win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament and played them pretty much even over the course of 90 minutes. And it's just a really good sign for this program. Like you said, so many kids coming back next year. Now they know what it's like to go play in a tournament game. Just again, another great step on the right path for this program.
1: That sport and, and again, if, if many are not really following it, not a lot of room for error because mm-hmm. you're playing everyone just once and it depends on really the day that you're playing them, where you're playing them, you know, where it comes into the uh, schedule and, and really when you're playing someone and you need to get points you need to get points because yeah. I'll tell you what, as, as we've said on the pod, you know, leading up to the tournament, uh, we knew it was going to be around that 12, 13 points that was going to get you into the tournament. And to be one of the four of nine that gets in is huge, huge for this team. That's a, that's a game yesterday that's going to pay dividends uh, next year and beyond.
0: Yeah. So tough, tough way to finish the season, but congrats again to Chris Logan and the girls on a, on a great year Again, setting a program record for wins in the D1 era with 10. And then of course, making the postseason tournament for the first time nothing but good things ahead for the uh, fighting hawk soccer program good stuff there it
1: was it was exciting and again i know they wanted a different result but uh but again i I think we've got a lot to build on
0: yeah certainly well from soccer a program that is building to men's golf which is building as well we had the pleasure just a moment ago to chat with head men's golf coach todd schaefer Let's listen to that conversation. Here's Todd. This is kind of our new coach series, Bill, that we've been doing over the course of this year. Uh, Todd, thanks again for taking some time today and coming and chatting with us.
2: Well, thank you, uh, Bill and Alex, for uh, inviting me here. Kind of excited to do this.
0: And we were just talking about podcast stuff in general. You said, ah, that's not really what I'm into. This is, this is kind of your first foray into this particular medium. What are your, what are your initial thoughts and prospects about being a part of this?
2: Well, my initial thoughts are, like, uh, I better uh, get online and listen to this after I'm done with this.
1: (laughs) Hey, Todd, we're happy to have you back uh, at UND. Not that you really ever left, per se, but give us a little bit of a background of your playing career here. And before we get into the coaching stuff and then what's happened in the fall, because you guys kind of have a split season, both fall and spring.
2: Right. So... uh I'm a lifelong uh, Grand Forks uh, resident. Uh, I attended uh, Grand Forks Red River High School and graduated in 1980. Uh, Came here in 1980 and played uh, men's golf for coach Louie Bogan who I admired deeply Um, and played four years. And uh, our teams were uh, very competitive back then. Um, We won three conference championships uh, as a team member. And uh, my last year, we didn't win uh, the, the conference team event, but I won as an individual. And uh, it was a great experience back then. And uh, I played with uh, uh, some several golfers uh, at nationals and so forth that went on to have great careers playing golf. Some of them won majors, uh, Rocco Mediate and Lee Jansen. Mm. Um, so my experience here in North Dakota was uh, nothing but the best and helped me uh, build for the future. Uh, I ended up going to the insurance business after that in about the 1884 or five. And I've been doing that for 35 years. and. Uh, been always involved in north dakota involved with uh, men's golf and i just felt personally uh, when the job opened up that uh, i felt like you know i got to give this a little help
1: well good I, it, great to have you here for sure and then post post und you've had tremendous success on the golf course as a player we'll get into your team in a second but yeah. i think this is just interesting
2: yeah yeah i mean i uh it's hard to believe now, as I'm older, how much uh, time I actually spent playing competitive golf. But, yeah, it, uh, you know, I, I spent uh, 25 years on the North Dakota Golf Association board. Uh, so golf's always been important to me. And uh, I did compete, uh, you know, a lot of state events and for, I'd say, a couple decades at least. And was able to play in a couple, uh, couple of, I think, four USGA events, a U.S. amateur mm-hmm. and a mid-amateur and a couple uh, USGA state team
0: events. And, uh, so my experience there, uh, it was, uh, it was exciting. That's great. That's great. What about, obviously, being from Grand Forks, what maybe got you started in the sport in the first place? What drew you to the sport of golf, Todd, growing up?
2: Well, um, my father got me involved in the game. Um, he started late in life, uh, probably at age 30. And, uh, anyway, he, uh, joined a golf course here in town. And, uh, so our, I have three siblings that are older than me and they, we start playing golf and. And played hockey in the winter, and uh, you know those were the days where you uh, played a lot outside and you did sports.
0: And it's led to this amazing <laughs> career. Now I, that's that's really cool. No, that's that's good stuff because I think people associate this part of the world. You wouldn't think golf, obviously. It's you can't play; the season is short. But you've been able to have success, and people from around here have gone on to have great success. We've seen that even currently now in the LPGA, especially too. Right. Uh, there's something about this part of the world that maybe makes people better at this sport than you would think. Any particular, I don't know, any thoughts on that? Like what, what about being from either the North Dakota area or the upper Midwest maybe gives you a little bit of an edge against someone that can play 365 days of the year out in Arizona somewhere? Well,
2: I, I really think it comes down to really their athletic ability. Hmm. Uh, it's God-given talent for those guys that are out on tour that uh, have the ability to do that. Um, the thing, of, what I love about the game of golf is the fact that regardless, uh, you know, I was just reading the Herald today, uh about our linebacker who were potentially careers winding down here with three games left and and i've always i i've said this before the game of golf uh it never ends yeah the bottom line is uh you can play as competitive as you want as long as you want and there's 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 the clock never runs out whether you're if you're skilled or not you can play at a competitive level and play and compete so you know it's just a really great game that uh, a lot of people play so what's your
1: impressions Coming back, uh, coming back, kind of on the other side, if you will, inside the athletic department, uh, running the program, and uh, maybe even from I, maybe your perceptions from the outside versus now, you know, running the program.
2: Well, um, some things haven't changed, like Hislop hasn't changed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As we record this in my office at Hislop.
2: And actually when I started coming here to work it was almost like a deja vu it felt like I just was here going, going oh, as a funny. student you know mm. but uh, but that's a quick 30 uh, 35 years ago so but uh, yeah it's it's amazing uh, how the machine runs on the inside I've um, been really impressed with uh, everyone here uh, working with that like department and how hard they work and how they make you feel at home and, and you know if you you know I'm new at this so I we had a lot of questions and there's never been a, a problem talking to people and finding out what I need to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, there's a lot of a lot of pieces of the puzzle for sure. And we have a lot of hardworking staff members, no doubt. And they're here for all the right reasons to support our student athletes. And, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, and Alex has been on a lot of our trips as well, but you, you, you don't realize, I guess, how much goes into it for, say, a three-hour game or something to that no, effect yeah. and what transpires, but uh, it's exciting, no doubt about it.
2: You know, that's for sure. So it's uh, like I said, t- it needs you need help from everywhere when you run these programs, and it's uh, it's been really enjoyable to work with your staff.
1: So let's talk about your program.
2: Yeah, and, uh, right.
1: you finished the fall, right? Fall
2: season, and uh, yep, we completed our first uh, fall season. I uh, basically have a roster of uh, seven individuals, um, six of which are from uh, North Dakota, and our only Minnesotans from Hibbing. Um, so anyway, I have three kids from Fargo and uh, one from Bismarck, one from Minot. One from Belcourt and one from Hibbing for the 7. And uh, really great kids. Joy working with them. They're working hard. They're good students. Um, have a good rapport with them, I believe. Um, so anyway, we, uh, uh, so we started our season uh, in September and August. And uh, we started out, uh, we had four events scheduled for the fall. Um, our first event was at Fargo. Uh, it was a match play type concept with four teams. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we got to the 16th hole, and it was rained out. So we lost that tournament, which yeah. kind of hurts us on the back end that we got to pick something up. And then from there, we went, uh, well, I think it was a couple weeks later to uh, Valparaiso, Indiana. And uh, we competed uh, there. And uh, you know, some of the highlights of that round, I'd have to say that uh, you know we're trying to make baby steps here and trying to get better. Um, the table set so all we can do is try to get the best of each player and uh we we had a couple sub 300 rounds in that event and we did have one golfer jackson davis from belcourt uh, who actually finished one stroke out of the top 10 which was really exciting and just to give help people out uh, at our events when we play a tournament um these kids it, it consists of 36 holes the first day and 18 holes the second day and you have five players and you take your four best scores. So for us, anytime time I feel if we shoot under 300, that's an accomplishment at this point. And we were able to uh, do a couple of those rounds uh, out in Valparaiso. Denver, I'll just say the weather was beautiful there. Hmm. We didn't quite play as well. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, we went to Dixon, uh, Tennessee, which is about 35 miles west of Nashville. Great place to go. Um, we had one good round of out of the three and we did shoot a 295 which was our lowest uh round for the year here mm-hmm. in, the, in the fall season so that concluded our fall season but uh i guess from a standpoint of a coach um like make taking baby steps here uh i just did a little comparison i, I our team average was down about five and a half strokes per round which is uh, i feel good um and four of the five returning retur- players uh have uh are anywhere from four to one stroke better per round than they were previously. So, I, I mean, I have to look at the little things uh, at this point, and I just feel we're making some headway on that. way on, on that. So,
1: That's great. The, uh, so heading into the winter then, uh, lots of probably strength and conditioning, probably the off-season until we get back out onto the course, eh?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm in my off-season right now, so there's a limit on how many hours a week we can uh, actually be in the hitting rooms with them and so forth, but uh, we're basically, right now, uh, some of our priorities is, you know, they're, they're working with our strength and, and conditioning, Tate, and uh, the boys are really getting worked out on that deal. So uh, that's a couple days a week, and it's really important because um, when we go play a vent on a Monday, I don't know if people realize this, but we get up at six in the morning, and we tee off at eight o'clock, and these kids walk 36 holes, and it's about 20 miles, and they don't take a break. Hmm. They don't have a lunch break. They don't, uh, I mean, you're, you're doing everything on the fly. So it's really important that they have the conditioning and you know, they're walking 20 miles carrying a bag and it, I mean, it's, it's physically tough. And then they get up the next day and play 18 holes. So the conditioning's important, we're working on that. And uh, you know, the kids are working on their school and finishing up their semesters here because they've missed a lot of school. It's you know important that they get on top of that. And then uh, <clears throat> uh, working on the volunteer time that's important here for the next uh, until we we'll go in February so we got we really got to book that up a little bit and then uh, in our hitting facility uh, we practice there and they're able to use it and uh, working on fundamentals there and so forth swing things and things that over the next three months they can work on
0: yeah, a couple things to, to parse through. No caddies, no carts. People don't realize that. As a, right. as a coach for you now on match day, how much input do you get to have? How much conversation do you have with the kids? Or are they pretty much, hey, you, you set the t-, like you mentioned, you set the table, you kind of get them going, and then they're off, and you just get to watch from a distance? Or do you have a chance to coach them up as they're going from hole well, to hole?
2: Well, when we normally get to an event, we play a practice round uh, prior to the event. So we strategically look at the course and see how we want to play it as a team, and, you know, is it a driver, is it a 200-yard layup, where's your, you know, what are your flight lines, where do you want to hit it to, what part of the green you want to put it in, so forth of that. So, I mean, we're we're pretty much planning our round prior to them playing, and then on on the first day of competition, um, I'm able to drive around and talk to them and and give them information, but it's kind of difficult because you're in five different foursomes, in four different holes, and... You know, there's certain holes you want to camp out on and help them in a lot of the par threes and so forth where, you know, you know what every kid hits as far as yardage and you can tell them where to hit it and tell them, you know, Ryan, he had a seven iron here. You maybe need a six iron and things of that sort. So there's a lot of, uh, you can, I was surprised and I didn't know you could do that, but as a college coach, <laughs> you can really help them out a lot as far. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been times where I've, <clears throat> Jackson's first tournament, I rode up with 13 holes straight. He wanted oh, to know wow. every shot, where to hit it, what, and he listened. I mean, hit it at that tree with a hook. Boom! He's right there, you know. So, anyways, I was putts and everything for him. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> do, you find, do you find? So I would assume.
1: So you've got five on the course. They, I would say, each golfer's got to be a little bit different on whether they want you around or not. Right. Maybe they want you, maybe pre, pre, pre hole one, so to speak. And I'll see you. I'll see you after eighteen.
2: Right, you're right on that. There's, uh, I've noticed that there are players that when I watch them, they, I don't know if they get nervous or not, but I just, I I know that they feel uncomfortable being there. Then there's a couple, three players that love me being there. So it's, uh, they're like kids. They're all different. Hmm, That is interesting. So do they
1: change? I should know this. I just don't. I'm going to ask the question. No, this is good. Yeah. I just don't know the answer to this. (laughs) So you got three rounds, right? Correct. For each tournament, do they change the uh, the hole locations uh, for each particular round?
2: So when we go to a practice round, we'll get a pin sheet, and it'll show us where the pins are going to be for the two oh, days. Sure. sure.
1: And it's really, they're not changing it, like in the 36 hole day, they're not changing it between, right? No, it's they just, change
2: it per day. Got it. So that's that's kind of a cool deal in the fact, because you know, normally go see the greens, and you'll see a red dot or a white dot where they're going to place it. So what I'll do is I'll go there with a, an aiming stick, and I'll planted in the green. So when they approach the green they can putt around that and kind of get a feel for you know the uphill downhill, where do you want to leave your shot and so forth. So there, I mean it's, it's it's important to know where the pins are because there's pins that you go for and there's pins that you need to be conservative on. Have you uh, and I'm sure the coaches are
1: all a pretty uh, collaborative uh, bunch. I'm sure they' they're, they're willing to, to help as well. When you go to the practice round, do you find yourself playing some of the holes too just so you know what the co- course is doing?
2: uh i have not brought my clubs at all to this event or these <laughs> events um and i think it's more important for yardage uh knowing you know trying to inform them where to hit it and so forth like that um i have brought a uh, you know like a wedge or a, a sand wedge type deal so because we spent some time around the greens yep. uh, per hole you know have them hit some bunker shots and have them putt from different angles and so forth like that so uh, that's all I've done personally, but uh, more or less I am riding with them, and we're all as a group, uh, kind of looking at how to conquer
0: the course. Yeah, it's interesting to see just that side of it because yeah, you don't you don't necessarily obviously you don't see college golf on TV much, you don't really get a chance to go watch very much. So this is all interesting stuff. Right. Just where you're coming from. Um, you're in this off season now that will stretch until February. Then I think you kick off the second portion, the spring portion down in Utah, uh, I think right on Valentine's Day, I think, right? February 14th, right around there. Uh, I think, it, well, the, that event's uh, February 10th and 11th. February 10th, there you go, right before that. So it's not that far off. You really don't have, no. you know, it's just a couple of months and you're right back into it. So far as you are now halfway through this, what have you enjoyed most about your time in, in the first six months or so of being in charge of this program, Todd? Uh,
2: all the things, I mean, the, the, the recruiting's been fun. I enjoy that because uh, I've growing up with sales so i love that selling the (laughs) university of north dakota because it's got it's such a great value for the Mm -hmm. price and so forth so that's exciting to me i love uh the kids uh i love trying to help them try to make them better individuals um all of you know it's, it's been really exciting
0: yeah that's good stuff. No, that, that's that's what you want to hear. I mean, those are the parts, obviously, of any job that you want. Those relationships, the fact that you're in a place that you enjoy and that you obviously care so much about, and you're you're doing something that you love. Those are good things. So
1: uh, kind of getting to toward the end a little bit here, Todd, I, I would say as we look ahead in the spring, it, it would almost seem as if it's very similar to like a cross-country meet. Hmm. You're trying to get to an apex to the Summit League champions. You know, championships, that, right? I mean, that, just get... Get the kids to a certain point
2: that is for sure uh we got a really busy spring uh, we we have to pick uh, it looks like we're going to have six events and we start in f- uh, february in utah and then we go to uh, gulfport uh, mississippi and middle uh, first part of march and then we go to houston a week later and then we go to omaha and in, in uh, april and Makeham, illinois uh in in april again and then two weeks later is our conference so i actually this fall took a a, a you know a couple, I, everyone got in an event this year because I wanted to see how kids handled the pressure of playing an event compared to just going out and playing locally here. And they all got in there. So I think that's important. And like you, like you said, I think the important thing is just try to get as good as we can Until that conference tournament, and uh, that's the apex of the year. So no doubt the
1: uh, and and again, I think if 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 folks aren't tracking on this, um, obviously courses are not going to want you to uh, play on a Friday and a Saturday uh, or or even a Sunday. So so ultimately you're you're playing on Mondays and Tuesdays. Right. So you're missing classes, and so you just in 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 most of our both both golf teams really good students, but it's tough to miss those classes.
2: Yeah, they. I mean, like most events, you know, we'll take hockey or whatever. They leave on, you know, Thursday night. They play Friday in their home Saturday. We're leaving. Our events are always Monday, Tuesday. We're normally leaving probably Saturday for travel. So we're there for Sunday for practice round. Play Monday, Tuesday. Then it matters where we're at in the country, whether or not we can get back Tuesday night, which I try to do, but doesn't always work because it's important for those kids to get back to school on Wednesday. That's but right. sometimes we're getting back wednesday so we're gone saturday sunday monday tuesday we're gone five days uh for a lot of events so big uh, it's a big thing for these kids to stay on top of their schoolwork, and uh they have to be good students because if not
0: <laughs> it's gonna be tough <laughs> not gonna be playing golf not gonna be yeah. playing golf very long if you can't well, keep it up like in the like classroom I
2: t- like i told him i said if, if your school work is in order golf doesn't really mean much that's
0: right <laughs> yeah that's right. Well, good stuff. Um, Todd, we really appreciate you taking some time. It's just fun to see, again, this is a sport that doesn't get as much of the spotlight. And like you said, it's, I think people love golf, but they don't understand what actually happens in terms of a college golf program and what's going on. And it's, it's just great to see that our kids are improving and succeeding and that there's it's local kids that are getting a chance to do this on the big stage. Best of luck to you as you All move right. into the off season and into the second half.
2: All right. Thanks guys for having me. Thanks Todd. You appreciate bet. it. Take care.
0: Big thanks to Todd for taking the time. We had Christine in here a couple of weeks ago. We've had Paul Sather now too. Just So many pleasant people to chat with. In that, in this athletics department, and in your coaching staff, just a just a good group. Todd fits that mold very well.
1: No question. And 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 again, he's uh, he's UND through and through. And uh, for him, uh, just such a fantastic player in his own right. And then to mm. be able to come and lead the program, it's just it, you can just it, it it oozes how much he wants to give back to the university and yeah. to the department and to the program. So it, exciting to have Todd on board.
0: Yeah. Best of luck to that program as they go through off season conditioning and like so, you know feels like a long time to February, but that'll be just around the corner. I mean, it's only a couple months away, and they'll be back on the course, pushing towards the Summit League tournament coming up later on in the spring men's golf obviously off for a little while hoops very much in full swing hockey and football all those sports going on you'll be listening to this of course on a tuesday so this will be old news but as you look back hey we're entering a busy weekend with men's and women's basketball already going men's hoops got a big win last night opening up their season with a pretty resounding victory as expected over crown college you'll be going with them out to gonzaga for a big match in the kennel coming up the women, obviously, down in Arizona playing Grand Canyon as we speak in real time right now. Bill, give us a score.
1: 64-59, North Dakota. Go. So go. Come on, let's hold on. <laughs> 3.56 to go.
0: I love this. again, People will be listening to this days from now, but this is the moment that we're doing this right now. Things are happening. So uh, best of luck to Travis Brewster's crew as they continue. Obviously, a tough one against Arizona, yeah. but a good chance to get some experience against the big-time opponents. They'll have some home games coming up in the near future, which we can check out, of course, coming up next week. Exciting stuff there. And then hockey, of course, getting ready to host... NCHC play this weekend. Again, as you'll be listening to this, you already know what happened against Miami. Let's hope it was a big sweep and a couple of resounding wins.
1: And then volleyball is uh, on the road at Denver on Friday, yes. and then back home in uh, a big one. Against they won South against South State yes, again. We'll know at that point in time. But again, that program having a shot to be uh, let's let's just say one of the top six in uh, and that's how it goes in that in that particular uh, uh, sport. So uh, yeah, lots obviously that's going to have uh, gone on. But look forward to recapping that when we get back back uh, on our normal routine.
0: Yeah, so look forward to the, all those all those things to come here in, in the weeks ahead. Best of luck to football as well. You'll be going out to Ogden with the group tomorrow for a big game against number three, Weber State. Again, it, this is just that time of year when there was so much going on. And in two days, all the things, obviously, that we just mentioned, will have a clarity on what's happened and things will be completely different, so we're not going to go into more detail. But hopefully you had a chance to enjoy a lot of UND wins this weekend, and we'll talk more in detail when we get back to our regular schedule coming up next week. Really quick B-side thing, because, Bill, I know you want to talk about this. Yeah. I, Spur, Spurs back on the right track.
1: Red Star, Belgrade, my favorite team. <laughs> I love that team. I, I, I Again, look it up, Google it. Love that team. <laughs> um, if we played Red Star every single match, we'd be in pretty, good, in pretty shape. good shape. Yeah. We yeah. went on the road. Yep. We went at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not a problem. Don't let up goals. It's great. Score a lot of goals. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. The Spurs, again, folks uh, listening to this will know what, what happened on Saturday against Sheffield United. But Sheffield yeah. United's a surprise. And I'll tell you what, it'll be very interesting to see what happens uh, tomorrow. But I've got a good feeling. I, I, I get a good feeling the rest of the month. How about that? Look at that. Hey. I do. I do. I feel like things are going to go in the right direction for the Spurs. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, long way to go in that season. long, <laughs> long I mean, way to go. I'll tell you what. I Again, Liverpool, Man City, big one this week. Big, we'll, big one again, on Sunday. People mm-hmm. will know what happened. But that's a huge one. Those two in a class by themselves, everybody else can be had. That's where I'm
0: at. I would agree with that. Don't you think? Sheffield's in sixth right now. I mean, so this is, and you know, and you're only a couple points out. It's just incredible the amount of parity in that league this year outside of the top two. Which is the
1: reason why that league does so well. Doesn't it? I, I would mean, agree. It is amazing. One of the and reasons, even yeah. Last, you know, last week, uh, just watching Man City and Liverpool. I mean, uh, it was just phenomenal. It was really great theater. Yeah. It really is. And, uh, you know, you got to give uh, NBC credit when they uh, ended up getting the rights of the Premier League. That was that was a stroke of genius. They've
0: done it right. They've done a nice job. Now we'll see if this, by the way, new news today. CBS just got the rights to the Champions League cbs and univision yep little uh a stealth bid nobody really saw that coming because fox had had it turner just got it last year and now cbs will take over as the primary for next year i believe it won't i don't know if it's next year or it's the following Hmm. but it'll be coming up soon so hopefully it's better than turner's coverage which has just been turner's been not it's not been great stick to basketball turner
1: turner does a nice job fantastic
0: job with the nba Unbelievable! Fantastic. College basketball, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, hard to be.
0: Uh,
1: and again, I, I think because of what their their pregame show is is like no other, right? Mm-hmm. And it just you're just trying to figure that. Everyone else chasing that one. Well, you're trying to chase. Uh, Rebecca Lowe does a great job. Yeah, she's that. the best.
0: Isn't she great? Yeah, she's fantastic. And
1: I think you know the Robbies do a great great job. And I they, they just uh, they do a really good job. Very insightful and uh, not short of opinions, but I think solid opinions too.
0: One of the big things about Rebecca Lowe, her replacement value is so great, like when you sit down and you turn it on on a saturday morning because she's she's there ninety five percent of the time, but if it's for some reason she's not hosting there's such a drop it doesn't matter who it is there's I can even like the person, and it's such a drop off she's so pleasant and enjoyable to be. Just around it, on a TV setting. And she's very knowledgeable and does a great job keeping things flowing. She's the best host, really. I mean, Sir and Ernie Johnson, and we were talking about two of the best pregame shows I in the agree. business. She's phenomenal. If you don't know Rebecca Lowe, you need to start watching because she's yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, she, she makes it look effortless. Yeah. And it's not effortless, would be my guess. And even when they're live, that's where it, you probably really find out, uh, you know, what you're kind of, you know, where you're at. And when she's on location, they do a great, great job. So, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I will be. I won't be able to watch my Spurs on Saturday, so I'll be in the air. But uh, uh, I will land and find out what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> May it be hopefully good tidings for you as you touch down last, somewhere in the mountains last of Utah. One,
1: what'd you think about JD Martinez uh, opting in? Yes.
0: coming back. What's All right, we'll say t- yes. I'm not upset. That's it's fantastic. Like that? No, that's great. I did see a funny tweet uh, today, Friday. Uh, so the Boston Globe, Dan Shaughnessy had put out a report or just a story saying, you know, oh, Mookie Betts isn't really that good or whatever, ah, we shouldn't be too. And Bill Simmons had sort of like written in, he had just, you know, scribbled in over the newspaper column and like with circling the Boston Globe and saying the Red Sox owners own the Boston Globe. And then of course it's Dan Shaughnessy who made a lot of money off the curse of the Bambino. And this is kind of what they do. He just feels like they're setting the table for the inevitable Mookie Betts trade, which is coming, do you really think that's? going to I, I happen? don't know for sure. S- Simmons really thinks so, and is worried about it, and has already talked a lot about how. My, and Bill's pretty plugged into the Red Sox, but he's already talking about how he's going to have a whatever he said, like a you know a twenty hour podcast in which he just vents about how upset he is that they're going to let go the you know one of the top three but you know top players in baseball.
1: Yeah, I
0: think in his prime, yeah. I think they're
1: going to think it through. I, I, I hope do they do. think do. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take someone like just just generally like a David Price. I th- I think someone would trade for him. I do. I, I mean, you know, someone that needs pitching to, to get to another level, you know, he still, I think, is marketable. Hmm. And it might be one of those scenarios. Maybe they do have to eat some of that contract. But I still think there's ways to sign him. And and, and given the fact that, again, you he's homegrown. Yeah. He's, what, 27, 26 20, years old? Just turned
0: 27. Just yeah. turned
1: 27. Gold glove and silver slugger. Yeah. I mean, it's it, just a great guy.
0: World Series champ. Can
1: bowl 300s. I mean, there's just a lot of things he can do. There,
0: there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like with Mookie. So hopefully hopefully he and JD are both on the team last, next year. We're, half, so- we're halfway there. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Red Sox thing. And I, I, I won't go too deep in this. And we'll, we'll, we'll tease it for a future pod. And Peter Gammons wrote a pretty good article compelling about Dwight Evans uh, hmm. going into the Hall of Fame. And I think if you compare numbers and and, and he was, that's a sweet spot. When I was growing up, Dwight Evans played right field for whatever, 15 years, right? He was tremendous. But at the end of the day, I always kind of think about it and just say, it's really hall of fames are like, to me, a blink moment. It's either yes or no. Yeah. Right in the moment. And to me, I think And Peter King, once said this also an Enfield Connecticut native, I might add, (laughs) um, about 10 years ahead of me. Uh, was there also could be the hall of very good, yeah. And it feels like he fall he falls in the hall of very good for me. Even though yeah. I believe, though, you can then say, is he as good as Harold Baines that went in? I would I would say the answer is yes. But that doesn't mean Should Harold me. Baines be in though. Yeah, the, that's and, kind and of the so question. There, that's where you go yeah. right.
0: I would agree with you. I mean i I didn't. So Dewey Evans would have been a little bit. I was a, I was pretty small when yep. he was doing what he did and. One of the first starting lineup action figures I ever had was a Dewey Evans, by the way. I had Dewey Evans and Wade Boggs and some of those guys that I had inherited from, from older cousins, but, but still. So I knew who he was. But um, just from my, I always like to think, hey, if you're going to make the Hall of Fame, you know, is that somebody that, you, that, that was one of the best players at their position over the course of their career? Is that someone that's going to be memorable for uh, X number of reasons? Consistency is obviously very important too, but it just depends how exclusive you want that club to be. And sometimes, you know, no offense to Harold Baines or Dewey Evans, but when you start letting in people like that that really were good for a long period of time, but were never necessarily, you know, a top three player in their position or an all-star for X number of years, it's just sometimes it's hard maybe to lump them in the same class as, you know, Maris and Ruth and Gehrig and people like that. Yeah, I mean, that's, whatever. you know, yeah, whatever Collecting, you want to
1: say. But, but at the end of the day, I but I always kind of thought through as well, like when Jim Rice finally made it, I, I was like, Jim Rice was the best and most feared right-hand hitter for a decade. That's the truth. Yeah. And now, to me, if that's not Hall of Fame, I don't know what, what is. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. And so it got weird that it took him so long. And I think it was his, you know, issues with the media over the course of his career, probably that 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 kept him out for so long. But but to put him in on, on the last year that he was eligible seemed a little yeah. odd to me. Seemed a little prescripted.
0: It's a pop. It's a popularity contest sometimes at the end of the day, and that's. Not, you know, it's hard. We always talk about subjectivity versus objectivity in terms of replay. And that's very much, you know, this is is everybody's opinion. And sometimes you can have the numbers in front of you or you can really look back and see how many all-star games they made or how many golden gloves they won. And sometimes if you just don't like the person or in your opinion, you say, no, nah, he wasn't good enough. You're never going to... Or hey, I don't believe in what he did off the field. You're never going to vote for that person. And that's what makes this whole thing so difficult to no legislate.
1: But someone like a, a, a Dwight Evans, though, for the length of time he played and how he evolved as a player over the mm-hmm. course of time, he came up, he wasn't a great hitter, but boy, he made himself into a pretty dang good hitter to the point where he actually weirdly became a leadoff hitter mm-hmm. in some ways. And just because he was just... You know, he, he he figured that out. And so I could say, hey, if Harold Baines goes in, Dwight Evans could be in. <laughs> I, I, that's what I'll say. That's and, your test again, case. Nothing against Harold Baines. No, no, that no. guy played 23 years or whatever yeah. he did and, and had, I don't know, probably th- over 3,000 hits and did whatever. A ton but, of stolen bases. But yeah. he was an accumulator. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played a lot of years. He had incredible, uh, you know, health throughout that time and was a dangerous hitter. Yeah. And but, but was very good for a long period of time. I'm not sure he was ever... Like the best. Like, you never would start a franchise with him, but he'd be a really good player to have on your team.
0: Yeah, it's that comet versus meteor type situation. Like, do you want to have somebody that goes forever and just slowly and steady, or do you want someone that is super bright and then flares out? I don't know.
1: I'll leave you up with this. Finish, Finish here, one, please. One of my favorite careers ever, <laughs> seven year career, Dave Stapleton, started oh. at 321 and progressively went every year, hit less. All the way down to, I don't know what his final was. I do know his first year was 321. Mm. I don't know what his last year. could have been like 211. Mm. It was like, and it was perfectly staggered all seven years. So, and a guy that John McNamara did not put on the field in 1986, <laughs> which he did all the way through September yeah. and through the playoffs. But... Not in game Not against the Mets. Yeah. No.
0: Mm. Okay, so there you go. I, I wasn't ready for that conversation today, but I'm very glad it happens. Any any opportunity to talk about Dwight I Evans didn't in, I, and the Hall you of Fame. I
1: did Stapleton and McNamara is going to be in Some, here.
0: Sometimes this pops up. <laughs> this is when we pod on a Friday. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. So, well, excellent. well I think that's, that's a good time to cut. Uh, safe travels to Bill, of course, as he travels across the country this next week. Uh, we will be back, of course, next Monday, back to our normal pod recording time. So get ready to hear a lot of recaps from everything that's been going on around UND Athletics in the last week and a half, for Bill, for our producer Cassie Niles, for Todd Schaefer, I'm Alex Steiner. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat soon.